Hire people better than you in certain areas. So in the beginning, I felt like I had to be an expert in marketing. I had to be an expert in social media and, and all these other areas. And it, it, what happened was I did learn a lot and I definitely know a lot more than maybe some of my colleagues because of that experience, but it also slowed my growth. And what happened was if I just hired those people outright, I could have still learned, but we gave up essentially growth because of that, uh, because I was fiddling my thumbs trying to figure out Facebook ads and, and if LinkedIn was the spot or Instagram. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, where we unlock the potential in your entrepreneurial journey with real insights and expertise. In today's exciting episode, we've got franchising maestro Giuseppe Grammatico here to spill the secrets of success in the franchise world. Get ready to dive into the common pitfalls of franchise ownership, the powerful four-step process to pick the perfect brand match, and an eye-opening discussion on how even a 17-year-old can kickstart their entrepreneurial dreams. Hear Giuseppe's inspiring story and his invaluable advice on transforming franchises into dynasties. All this and more coming up right now. Hey, Giuseppe, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I was uh, really looking forward to the show today. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you. So your world is all about franchises. So today we're going to talk about franchising, where it might fit for a business that's already established, as well as where it could fit for people that are thinking, have always dreamed of having their own business and need some additional support in terms of going that direction. So before I go into that, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself, how you got into the world of franchising. And then I'd also love to know a little bit about yourself personally. Yeah, so from uh, from New Jersey, um, started off, um, you know, in the restaurant business. My family came over from Italy, opened up a restaurant in uh, mid seventies, and um, you know worked that business as a busboy, kind of worked my way up to, to chef and, and manager uh, for that restaurant. So got a nice taste back going, going back. I was uh, I think nine or ten years old, just you know working with mom and dad, which was a lot of fun. Uh, realized that that was a lot of lot of work, you know, weekends and and holidays and things like that and evenings. And I said, you know what, first uh, person in my family to go to college and went that route, got into financial service investing, uh, did really well. But I just I didn't feel um, it was the right fit. Couldn't find anything else I liked, so I went I went back to school. I got my graduate degree. I uh, went back into the corporate world and felt exactly the same way. I'm like, even with the better pay and better positions interviewed and just didn't like what was out there. Felt like there was, I had a calling. So I, I went back to business ownership and said, business ownership, I think is the right fit. Maybe I was just in the wrong industry. You know, I just wanted to start a family. My wife and I were, were talking about it for a while. And she said, well, there are other businesses. Why not, you know, maybe hire a coach or work with someone, which is, uh, you know, how I got into coaching. Uh, I actually work with a coach to help me find my franchise. So fast forward, uh, you know, 2007, uh, left my job in January and then uh, February that year, I started my first business, uh, first franchise. We purchased several territories in, in the state of New Jersey and uh, loved it. You know, loved the the whole the systems in place. People asked, why did I start a business? I said, so I could become a coach and coach my kids soccer and not miss any events. So that's how I got into franchising, essentially just unfulfilled, wanted to own something where I can control my time, my income. 
And uh, yeah, I've owned uh, since uh, 2007. I've owned my own business for what, 2023. And that time just flies. So let's start from the, the beginning in case there's listeners that don't really know a lot about franchises. What's the difference between maybe buying into a franchise or buying a franchise versus starting your own business? What could you expect from that? Yeah. The, so the value proposition of a franchise is essentially you want the business built for you. So you are looking, uh, I wrote uh, in my book uh, several years back, an unfair advantage. You're, you're looking uh, when you buy a franchise for the system, the CRM, the vendors to, to be, um, some vendors to be in, in place, best practices, operations manuals, and things like that. So that franchise is really kind of plug and play where you know, in the um, you know home service, uh, we'll call it market, where you maybe uh, you're you're servicing customers' homes, you can buy a franchise, go to training, and be up and running in sixty to ninety days. While you're in training, that marketing engine has been turned on your on your behalf. You can literally be on potential sales calls uh, the day you get back from training. So it's really plug and play. Uh, you're not creating everything from the ground up. The brand, the logos, the best ways of doing business, and again not the right fit for everyone. There's a lot of people that prefer the startup. And what I've seen, and this is actually pretty interesting, what we've seen is that some people prefer startups, but they have this business plan sitting on their Word document for a decade and never do anything with it. So what I've seen is people have purchased or invested in franchises, learned the system, had the franchise or backing them, supporting them. You know, Their interests are aligned. As you make money, they're making money and motivated them to the, to the point where you know, they launched uh, a year later their their startup because now they were able to utilize some of the systems and processes from the franchisor and apply it to their startup. So I've seen people go from franchise and then launch their startup later on. So it's kind of cool, but yeah, just a, just a different environment. You know, you kind of I use terms such as a, a business on training wheels, uh, where you just really have the the franchisor supporting you. You have a coach; they travel with you if need be. Training; you have access to other franchise owners to really motivate you and share ideas and best practices. So really a, a great idea for someone that wants to get up and running relatively quickly. How do you determine what would be a good franchise uh, to partner with to invest in versus a bad franchise? Are there certain signs or what should we be looking for? A lot has to do. First off, you start off with if a franchise is the right fit. And how do you know that? Are you willing to follow a system? If you are buying a uh, a burger franchise and uh, you're right off the bat thinking how many things uh, you can change and how many items you can add to the menu, a franchise may not be a good fit. And that's an extreme and silly example, but I, I use that example because the franchise or you, you really want to follow their system. So that's number one. You open to following a system. And if you have experience in that area, such as we're going back to uh, you know cooking, the burger franchise. You had a burger, maybe mom and pop uh, years ago. Are you willing to follow their system of cooking, their system of uh, you know dealing with and, and working with employees and, and customers and things like that? So that's number one. As far as the franchise goes, this is really important because uh, I'm sure a lot of people kind of follow the same process as me, look to see what's out there. What are the hot franchises? We're buying the, the magazines and trying to see if they work. And what, was, what I was realizing was that I was settling. You know, I was looking at franchises that uh, maybe required me uh, to to work nights and weekends or have a lot more staff than I was comfortable to. I just said, you know what, there's got to be a better way. So what I did was in my coaching practice is we reverse engineer everything. We we work in reverse with the end in mind. And instead of looking at franchise companies that could be a good fit, I always say, 
and this has to do with the due diligence as well, let's figure out what the ideal business model looks like. Are you working from home? Or are you in a brick and mortar retail location? Are you investing? You know, what, what is that investment? Is it a hundred thousand or is it a million dollars? Uh, do you have lots of employees? What do they look like? Are they employees, W-2 employees, or are they 1099 contractors? And the list goes on. So, you know, when you go down the list, and I think one of the more important things is the role, you know, kind of what you will be doing day to day. If you buy a mosquito spraying franchise, does that mean you're spraying chemical all day? Or are you working the chamber of commerce events. So once you kind of figure out the ideal business, you see what brands are out there. And as far as the brands go, and this is where we add a tremendous amount of value is that we're talking with a lot of the CEOs, upper management, talking with other colleagues of ours to get feedback from the franchisor as well as the franchisee level. Things, uh, you know, red flags uh, come up. Uh, and I would say one of the most important parts is the middle phase when you get to speak with franchisees. So you may have a phenomenal concept, makes sense, it, you know, sales are incredible, and then you, you start talking to franchisees and you start to get negative feedback, consistent negative feedback. We're not getting support or the support was only in the, in the initial stages when we got launched, but after that, we never hear from the franchise or we can't get a hold of them. Things like that are, are things to look for. And usually you, you kind of hear those or get on those calls uh, you know, midway through. So maybe after your second or third call with the franchise company. So if you're getting a lot of negative feedback, you know, which I always say, dig a little bit deeper to find out, you know, has that feedback and has, have those issues been addressed? But if you're also looking at the uh, agreement and you see a hundred different lawsuits and don't really get any feedback as to, you know, what happened here or what was the cause of the lawsuit, those are some, some red flags. A franchise or being a little too aggressive. Uh, on the sales calls or not getting you the uh, information you requested, those are those are red flags as well. And then where does where does your service fit in? Is it like kind of the middle? Are you the middle in terms of the potential franchisee and franchisor? Do you bring those parties together? Yes, yeah, so I initiate. So I'm I'm the guy that right in the very beginning we figure out together if a franchise is even the right fit. And I don't know that right. Franchising is great. I've owned franchise and non franchise brands. There's tons of advantages, but that doesn't mean it's the right fit for everyone. And sometimes it is the right fit, but financially, you just don't have enough to cover the down payment on an SBA loan or cover the franchise fee. So we really work together, say, let's figure out if a franchise is a good fit. And if it is, you know, we have a, a four-step process that we follow, figuring out essentially, what are you looking for? Why a franchise? Uh, what's your role? What's your time commitment? Are you keeping a job and running this business as well. So once we figure all that and have this ideal business and exactly how you want to run it, that's when I go to work and figure out the brands that check off those uh, characteristics. And then I um, essentially will make an introduction directly to the franchise brands where they will continue the conversations. And we uh, continue to work together weekly to, to get feedback, help them scale down the number of brands. Uh, we talk about funding options, uh, we talk about uh, you know potentially hiring a franchise attorney to review the franchise agreement. So so we we help every step of the way. Even afterwards, I've had people call me years later saying, "I want to grow my business. Should I add some additional territory or locations for the same brand, or should I grow vertically and maybe add a complementary brand uh, to the business?" So when you say a complementary brand, would that be another franchise? Would that be two franchises that someone possibly would have under one roof? Is that is that what you mean by that? Correct. So for as an example, we had an individual buy a um, it's a, a coatings franchise, 
uh, where essentially they're able to restore vinyl siding, roofing, uh, kitchen cabinets, soffits, gutters, you name it, garage door. And uh, they decided later on that they wanted to expand. The uh, territory was sold out, you know, because with franchising, it's it's based off of availability, obviously. So um, we were looking at, okay, your client base is X amount of customers who are homeowners in this particular market. How do we expand on that? And they said, well, okay, we're in the coatings business, but we don't do, for example, regular painting or the homeowner may need cleaning or they may need, uh, uh, you know, they, we couldn't restore the roof with their patented process. So they need to replace the roof. So how do we upsell and work with all our existing customers and, uh, you know, provide another service? So yes, it may be, you know, adding another franchise and, you know, the, the term owning the home where you're uh, giving and offering enough services to be able to uh, go back to the same owner, you know, day in, day out and offer additional services. Is there any point where like one of the franchises would say, oh no, you can't do that. Like you, you can't have two franchise, different franchises under the same roof. Would there ever be a situation like that? For the most part, no. You know, as long as obviously they don't compete with one another, which would be silly anyway. You don't right. you don't want to be competing with your own businesses. What we've seen, and this makes a lot of sense, and this is part of uh, our conversations about growth uh, possibilities, is that you never want to launch two brands at once. It's overwhelming. So a, a painting franchise and a cleaning franchise, yes, you're dealing with the same homeowner and the same customer. But in order to launch those and be successful, franchisors recommend usually a six-month gap six to 12 months, I would say that that's a healthy range. So you're learning the system, getting the infrastructure in place, your staff, your employees, your marketing, and then figuring out how do I, you know, are there certain synergies? So if I, I start with a painting business and I add a cleaning business, can I use the same GM? Can I use the same marketing platforms, uh, the same bookkeepers and things like that? So I always recommend a gap, but the franchise are typically no. But if you're, if again, if they're competing and if you're running them at the same time, uh, we've seen franchisors come back and just say maybe it's not a good fit if you're going because we've seen many other people try to do this and uh, not do so well. So that they usually just recommend that gap. Got it. If you see a franchise or a franchisee fail, they buy a territory and they invest in one and it doesn't work out. What are the top reasons you would typically see why they wouldn't be successful? So, you know, this is um, one of the main reasons is not following the system. Uh, so, you know, you go in and you just figure, oh, I'm just going to do it this way. I know, I know, I know better than the franchisor. And, you know, you may have had a, a marketing company. So you want to do your own marketing under your own business. And I always tell people you're buying the, the franchise for the system itself. They've kind of figured out they're leveraging what they've learned the hard way in order to, you know, to, to get you the best results. So, so we've seen people not follow the right, uh, the follow the system. We've seen people, you know, not capitalize. They uh, went a little bit too aggressive. Maybe they didn't get the funding that they said they were going to get, and uh, you know, hire, uh, purchase too many territories and go very aggressively. Too many employees to get started, so undercapitalized, and then it just affects the entire business, and the and the business kind of falls apart. Another reason is buying the wrong franchise. You bought the franchise because your neighbor did extremely well, and uh, you know, that, which is fine. You know, some franchises they do well. There, there's some big names out there, but. Uh, maybe uh, you know the large number of employees and the con- consistent turnaround uh, of employees is not something that you're uh, capable of, of managing and dealing with. So, and then finally, and this happens on occasion too, the franchisor doesn't live to their promise. And I always say, not every franchise company is um, is built the same. They they are not all equal. You can't just say this X industry and in home services, you know, they don't do well. 
at the franchisor truly has to support the the franchisee. So you need to vet the the franchisor. No one, can, I can't do that for you. Um, you know, they have to do that on their own. You know, we'll bring ideas to the table, but it's their job to speak with franchisees. So we we've seen people buy franchises on their own. They buy the franchise, they vet the franchise, and never do validation calls speaking directly with franchisees. And I said, well, maybe if you spoke with those franchisees, they would have talked you out of it. Uh, so on, on occasion that we hear that as well too, unfortunately, where the, the franchisor just doesn't, maybe they don't do it intentionally. They grew, grew a little bit too fast. They didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have enough coaches in place, but it, that does happen as well. What about territory? Just like just picking the wrong territory? Because I know it's, it's limited in terms of someone grabs one territory and then you maybe that's the one you wanted and then you take a different one. Does that, how much does that play into sometimes it not working out? It could, you know, you, you know your market better than anyone else. So when you look at a franchise, um, they look at territory. If it's a service base, you know, you're running it from home or a physical location. But if we stick to the to the territory, you know, a lot of people want to be close to home and I'll, and I'll come back and say, great, we want to minimize your commute, you know, not to say you have to travel in your territory daily, but is that the ideal market for this particular business? Now, restoration, water and smoke mitigation can work just about any market because, you know, it's it's something that uh, is always in need. There's going to be fires and floods and natural disasters, but uh, certain other businesses and, and home service where it's uh, we've had an area where it was very rural and you had to you know each each house is spaced apart twenty or thirty miles. That's going to be an issue because your salesperson may only be able to visit two customers as opposed to you know something in area where I live where it's much more uh, you know, the, the density is is uh, is much greater population density and you're you know getting to visit ten or fifteen customers in a day. So with any franchise, you want to kind of see who's open, uh, who's you know to be open later, because some people buy three territories, they open one up down two in the future, and then what's the available area. And uh, each franchise will break the areas up differently. Some will be by average household income. Others will just be sh- uh, strictly population. Others will be number of schools in your area, because that's who they're going after. So you're going to get a full review so that you can approve and work with the franchisor on the best territory. But yes, you want to look at the business model, the demand, and figure out what's the best territory for you, for that particular business. You've mentioned funding. What should a typical franchisee, they, okay, I'm really interested in it. How accessible is funding like an SBA loan? or and, and if it is accessible, what percentage of the overall amount can usually you get outside in, uh, lenders? Yeah. So, so one of the most common uh, funding uh, ways that people are funding is, is the SBA. You need about, uh, and it, there's a range, and you have to have, I believe, a, a 680 or 700 credit score, uh, about 20 to 30% of the total project. And the key word is project. So when you look at a franchise, it's not just a franchise fee, but they'll put in their working capital, you know, your employee costs, marketing, travel to training and, and equipment and things like that. So 20 to 30%. So on a hundred thousand, uh, or we'll even go up higher, $200,000 investment. Uh, maybe it's uh, you know forty to sixty thousand down. Uh, so the key here is you know you get approved with the SBA. You just want to make sure that in the event the business takes a little bit longer to launch, if you are leaving your job to do this full time, is there any other income coming into the household? And if not, you want to make sure you have six months living expense. You know your your mortgage company is not going to wait because you own the business or started a business. Uh, your utilities and credit cards. So you want to make sure that there's um, there's that buffer there. You know, and if it's a husband and wife, and in my case, I left my job, my wife continued to work. I knew that her salary paid the expense, so I was responsible for the business. But I did you know, give up my salary. Others will keep their jobs and just run 
the business part-time. And if you are running a business part-time, which is not approved for all, all franchise companies, you want to make sure in that pro forma, you add the extra extra line item for a general manager because uh, you'll be relying on that person uh, day to day. The other, uh, if you qualify, is a retirement rollover, which has been our second most popular option. And those are people that are, are using a traditional IRA or a 401k money you know, to fund the project. The, the, the caveat there is that it needs to be a previous employer. So if it's your current employer, cannot use those funds unless you rolled a previous employer's money into that plan. And then the, the third, uh, and there's plenty of other options, but the third most popular is a home equity line of credit. Uh, a lot of us, our real estate has increased. So they're just using the equity uh, that they've built in their home to, to fund the, uh, the franchise. Got it. So if, if you're an established business and you have your own business, it's not a franchise, is there an avenue for an established business to bring franchise, some type of franchise into their own business? And if so, is that like a, another brand like you had mentioned before? What would that look like if they were to do that? Yeah. So, well, I'll use the example, two examples. One is you have a, a, a gentleman who I've worked with. Uh, he owns a painting company and uh, he actually is looking to own a or, or convert his business into a franchise. Why Why would he want to do that? Well, yes, he's, he's going to be giving up a, uh, he's going to have to pay a franchise fee and, and paying a royalty. But the question is, what is he getting for that royalty? And those extra costs. And he said, I said, what are your pain points? He said, well, marketing, I don't know what I'm doing. I keep hiring companies. So franchisor is going to provide marketing and a call center for him offsite. You know, so, uh, they're going to offer them support and technology. He went from old school tape measure, measuring walls and quoting on paper to, uh, you know, Bluetooth technology, being able to show the customer what the home will look like before and after and quote them all in the same uh, day. You know, billing, website, all that kind of stuff, all built out uh, when he launched his business. He came back and told me his uh, the vendor relationships alone, given their national size, uh, he's saving a significant amount just on the raw material, just by owning a franchise. So that's an individual looking, you know, that had a painting business looking to convert it. That same individual, if they just said, "I'm content with my my painting business, I just want to add on," so this would be the second. Is uh, you know, they're working with a uh, hundred homeowners in the local area. Uh, they have great relationships. What other services uh, can they offer? And heck, you know that you know when you go in uh, painting, there's uh, spackling, there's dust created. Uh, it makes a mess in the home, no matter how good you you cover things. So he may come uh, back to me and say, "I have access to a hundred homes. Uh, you know, we're we're doing you know getting two three new customers every week. What can we add on it? And it may be a cleaning franchise where he can go back and do the uh, the deep cleans after, and maybe a weekly clean afterwards." Where they have an infrastructure where you can simply go back and upsell all your all your customers, offer this added service. So one is non-franchise, one is franchise, completely okay. They're all going to be under different uh, legal entities, and um, yeah, just kind of grow that way and decide what else can we add. Can we add um, dog waste removal? You know, there's a business around picking up dog waste, fertilization, uh, and irrigation. So. You know, you're you're owning the home. So if the customer has one point of contact and you show up on time, you bill, you know, one invoice or maybe it's it's a couple invoices, but there's one point of contact and the communication's clear. That customer is going to come back to you again and again, asking for what other additional services you have. 
If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. And you show up on time, you bill, you know, one invoice, or maybe it's it's a couple invoices, but there's one point of contact and the communication's clear. That customer is going to come back to you again and again, asking for what other additional services you have. In terms of exiting a business, if you have your own business, it's pretty, I think it's a little bit more straightforward. What do you have to do when you're thinking about exiting from a franchise? Do you have to get franchise approval? Do you take a hit? Is the value less or is it same as if it was your own business? What are some of those logistics in terms of exiting a franchise? Yeah. So when you when you go to sell your business, I always recommend go back to the franchise agreement because there'll be different terms. There may be a transfer fee cost. Also, do they have, does the franchisor assist? Some will assist and work with someone like myself in, in finding a potential buyer for the business, or they may just go back and say, you have, the, this is the option, this is the cost, or you can go out on your own. The key differentiator is that when you do find that buyer, that buyer needs to get approved from the franchisor, which typically isn't a major issue. But the, the whole point of doing that is that the franchisor can make sure that they meet meet the new owner who is going to you know that's a, another long-term relationship and then secondly that they have a full understanding of how the franchise works so that not that the the, the seller would you know lie about the uh, the opportunity but they want to make sure to understand this is the support structure this is how training works this is how the royalty works so so the the uh, franchisor would definitely want to meet that owner since uh, essentially once the the seller leaves you know that uh, relationship is going to continue so uh, no real um, barriers as as far as multiples. We've seen multiples greater in particular industries with with certain franchises. We've seen multiples the same. You know, painting industry if if it gets a three x and it may get the same, but uh, ultimately it depends on the buyer. You know, what is the buyer looking for? Uh, are they looking for that support system? Are they just looking for the accounts? Then you're going to get offered less. But if they're looking to purchase the system as is. You know, you should get a higher valuation. It also comes down to the the owner. You know how involved the owner is. So, regardless if it's a franchise or not, if you're in the business sixty hours a week, uh, they may want to beat you up on the valuation because they're like, all right, well, I need to hire now a manager to take over that previous owner. So they may give you the multiple, but on a much lower number after they back out a salary uh, for that. So we've seen that, but ultimately the uh, it, it varies based off the buyer. How often is it, does a franchise? sell within its own franchise community, meaning another franchisee says, oh, you know what, that's up for sale. In fact, is there a clause ever where you have to maybe have to sell it within the community first? There are certain franchises that will ask for the rights uh, to purchase. Okay. So kind of like a right of first refusal. But to answer your question, for the most part, uh, franchisees, you know, as long as the business is in good shape, they will sell to the na- neighboring franchise uh, franchise owners. Why? It's a simple acquisition. They don't have to pay a broker fee, which you know is going to be a percentage of the of the sale, and uh, no training involved. They just basically pick up where the previous owner left. I don't see a lot tons of resales because that's how a lot of these deals are, are getting done. So it's saving money, it's speeding up the process. There's no learning curve. There's no pre approval from the franchisor since the franchisee is already in the system, 
And again, there are certain brands that, and this is going to be listed in the franchise agreement that will just say, before you sell it, let us know. We may buy that that business back or for X amount. And uh, if that doesn't work out or if they're not interested at that point in time, then you can put it out in the market. Right. Getting back to one of your points about how involved the business owner is in the business, what should one expect with a franchise? Is, is it because the systems and processes are set up, does it lend itself to allow the owner to get out of the business pretty quickly, assuming they want to? Is that a fair assumption? It could. Okay. It could. Every business is the models are going to be different. We have models that are built for semi absentee part time ownership because, um, you know, as an example, health and wellness and fitness, where the franchisor wants you to write, immediately hire a general manager and go to training with the GM because they don't want you doing the workouts or personal training. They want you working with the GM, looking for future locations, reviewing the numbers, the, the KPIs and the financials. You know, if you're spending X amount in marketing and your sales rep is, or in that case, your GM is only closing 20% where the norm is 40, people would say, oh, well, you need a new sales rep or a new GM. And, and the case may just be the quality of lead just isn't right. So maybe it's not the, the GM. So reviewing that, getting to compare numbers with other offices you know, in that, in that similar space and saying, okay, well, this is our number one performing office, the same spend. They have a 50% close ratio maybe have coffee with them or, or do a Zoom. Franchisor will help you as well. So that's one of the, the major advantages is that you can kind of compare notes. And um, the franchisor, in many cases, are getting your, your P&L. So they may notice a red flag as you're paying royalty. You know, why is the uh, profit margin, you know, the net income 20% where it should be 30? You know, are, you, are you overspending in a certain area? So you know, it's their job not just to you know, have you grow, but you, it's what you keep at the end of the day. So they want you to be as profitable as possible. And then just in terms of, you don't have to na- mention names, but I'd be curious, are there any hot, what are like the hot franchises right now? It could, you could just maybe name industry if you prefer or name if you're open to it. But I'm curious, are there like a top five that are easy? I, I'll define it this way, uh, maybe easy entry and have good opportunity. Yeah, I, I think you know when you get into home services, so anything around the home, whether it be roofing, cleaning, things like that, people are working from home, and that area just since COVID, it just has been growing year after year. You know, people like that space. One of, one of my favorites that uh, is not affected by the economy is restoration. So uh, whether it be water and smoke restoration or um, crime scene cleanup and biohazard cleanup, working with police departments, um, you know, home flippers and things like that. So. There is a, a ton of opportunity there because, again, that, that's stuff that needs to get addressed regardless of uh, the economy or what's going on in the rest of the world. Uh, other areas uh, that we've seen growth is in the B2B space. Some examples would be executive recruitment. You know, People are always looking for good quality hires, uh, business coaching, and uh, expense reduction. There, there are franchises around uh, reducing expenses for small business owners. That's been big. And then on the health and wellness, uh, you know, we've we've had um, areas such as um, mental health uh, franchises, uh, brands around erectile dysfunction and low T, and just overall health and wellness. Getting into things such as um, all the new tech, like or newer tech, like uh, cryotherapy for weight loss and and in, in, uh, increasing your immune function, red light and all the various light therapies, uh, vitamin IV infusions and things like that. So health and wellness. Uh, massages and things like that. Uh, stretching is, you know, believe it or not, not physical therapy, but actually stretching 
has been um, uh, you know a- another area where it keeps the the investment much lower. There's not a lot of equipment and things like that. We've noticed a lot of interest in home services just in general because it's significantly lower investment. You're up and running in 90 days or less and a small staff. I know some people were, got a little bit nervous since COVID with uh, brick and mortar, long-term leases, you know, uh, larger investment and uh, taking uh, six to 12 months to get open. So we've had a lot of interest in the, uh, in the home service space uh, to keep it lean, run it from home. And if you want to expand down the road, maybe uh, get an office or, or a mini uh, flex space, uh, an office warehouse. So, uh, but those are areas that we've, we've been seeing growing year after year. Yeah. Many years ago, I had a client back when I was a practicing CPA and they got in, they got a remediation franchise. Mm-hmm. And I think you had mentioned it. And uh, man, I was blown away how fast it took off. I mean, I'm, I assumed it was just a great territory, but literally we're like, I think they were mm-hmm. bringing like two or 300,000 a month and just like, like their third month. It was just blowing Big up. Jobs. And yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. And uh, I imagine it's a lot more competitive. This was probably about 20 years ago. So I imagine it's a lot more of a competitive space nowadays in terms of, I, I imagine it doesn't happen that fast. It's um, it's less marketing on those types of businesses. So those are more um, referral types of businesses. So it's if you have connections with the plumbers, HVAC companies, the police departments, if it's crime scene cleanup, if you have those connections, they can scale quickly. Uh, a lot of the brands also have national accounts. So uh, this is hard to factor into a pro forma, but you could potentially get a pr- relatively large job your first month if there happens to be something in the area. But uh, the brands, uh, they like to stick together. So if one of the franchisees does get, you know, just say there's another hurricane. I, I live here in New Jersey and you know we get a lot of you know hurricanes passing through, flooding and things like that. And uh, you're located in Texas you know, you can uh, uh, work with that franchise owner in New Jersey as long as you have the manpower. So there are opportunities to get national accounts, work with other franchisees. There's work, there's some networking uh, to get in there. It's not just simply putting up sure. some ads. And But uh, if you have the network and you really uh, show up and do a good job, it's a uh, Reoccurring in the uh, as far as the, um, the the jobs that you're getting referred. So yeah, yeah, it could definitely take a while depending how quickly you build the network. Yeah, fascinating. Hey, I want to wrap up with a couple of questions. Uh, sure. First one, any tips you can give us? We talked a little bit about exiting a business. Yeah. Any tips that you can give us as it relates to planning? Something that comes top of mind, one, two, three tips in terms of how we could plan or things we should be thinking about as business owners, whether it be a franchise or a non-franchise in planning for that exit. Anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, so start with the end in mind and reverse engineer it, you know, just like we we talked about with finding a franchise. So, you know, what is the, is the exit to retire in 10 years? Uh, are you looking to build a legacy and you have uh, maybe two, like I have two kids, a uh, eighth grader and a sophomore in high school. So is the idea to create a legacy and pass a business to, to them. So really figuring that out because that does affect the overall plan. Uh, do you want to start a business from scratch? And you know you want to be done in ten years, or would you rather just launch a franchise and get up and running relatively quicker? So these are things that I think if you start with the end in mind, that'll narrow the search as to both looking at businesses as and if you have an existing business to planning appropriately. The other piece of advice, and this is a mistake I made, is hire people better than you in in certain areas. So in the beginning, I felt like I had to be an expert in marketing. I had to be an expert in social media and, and all these other areas. And what happened was I did learn a lot and I definitely know a lot more than maybe some of my colleagues because of that experience, but it also slowed my growth. And what happened was if I just hired those people outright, I could have still learned, 
but we could we gave up essentially growth because of that uh, because I was you know fiddling my thumbs trying to figure out Facebook ads and and if LinkedIn was the spot or Instagram. So hire people better than you. Start with the end in mind. You know the question that a coach brought up, uh, part of a group uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, they they said, you know, why the heck are we doing this? You know, yes, we're looking for time and financial freedom. I, I hear that all the time, but what are we looking to accomplish here? And sometimes it's not just about making more money because we keep adding all these additional things we can do throughout the day and have every hour planned out. That's not fun as a business owner. So, is the goal to really not work as much? That's that's okay. You know, you don't have to grow every single year. If you can stay baseline and maybe work 40 hours and then drop it down to 20 and eventually 10, I think that's a pretty big win in, in my book. So everyone is going to have different reasons and whys and you know what they're looking to accomplish. And if the goal, make, make sure your goals and you know everything are, are in line. But yeah, I mean, figure out what you want to do. And if you're trying to you know become a soccer coach and go to your kids' games, is adding an extra two hours of work daily going to be a fit or is that another hire or is there a coach or a system that needs to be put in place to uh, take some stuff off your plate? Yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, then last question. Is there a book, podcast, show, something that you've recently watched or listened to that you could share with us? Just maybe we could tap into some something you're enjoying. Yeah. So uh, I, he's actually a friend of mine. I heard he was just on your show. It's called uh, Profit Comes First by Rocky Lalvani. And I've owned you know, business with it's been about 20 years. I never really, and I, I have my, my graduate degree in finance and investing, double concentration. I never really was taught how to have a budget. I knew I had to spend less than I earned and very, very disciplined in that area. But how do you create a budget? What's your marketing budget? I don't know. I would just randomly throw a number out there. And uh, their system, uh, their basic system of profit first is you know, breaking up the area in budgets, you know, 20, you know, right off the bat. The money comes in 20% for taxes, 20% operation, you know, 20% you know, in, in all the various areas. And uh, he just opened up my eyes on, on ways to budget automate so that I was never like, like I did in my last uh, business, short every month, like, oh, I don't have enough for sales tax. Well, that should have went in a separate budget. I'm short for my uh, quarterly estimate. So that was a game changer in my business because it just kept me a little bit more organized. There were no, no more surprises. I'm not saying the 20% is always the right number. And sometimes it was less, sometimes it was more. But uh, you know, Rocky showed me that. So watching the show, I, I got to learn more about uh, tax planning, financials, how to keep more uh, of what I'm making. It's not just co- constantly bringing in more revenue, but how do you keep more? Uh, an LLC versus a C-Corp versus uh, an S-Corporation. What, what are the differences and the pros and cons? Because there are plenty of differences. So uh, it's a great show. I learned a lot, uh, franchise or not, just from if you're a business or, or uh, owner or potential owner. Uh, Rocky's uh, he's got a couple of shows, but uh, Profit Comes First is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, Profit Comes First. I had a great conversation with Rocky. He is such a cool guy. And what I like about him is he takes uh, finance topics and money topics and he just breaks down into really easy to understand. Yes, and he's got he's got really <laughs> funny uh, uh, comparisons too. He like throws out these, I can't even remember the ones he had, but he had several really funny that just bring home the the topic to you really quickly. That's you it. Make, helps you to understand it. Yeah. So what good is all this legal and accounting jargon exactly. if you don't get it? So he breaks it down. Um, he's helped me from a personal level quite a bit and highly recommend anyone to reach out if they're, you know, w- want to simplify their system. We call it the bucket system. So yeah, I agree. Profit comes first. That's a great one. Great. Two thanks for ending with two really strong suggestions. So your website is GG 
thefranchiseguide.com. GG is your initial. So once again, GG, thefranchiseguide.com. And then I'll put that in the show notes at thinktyler.com. Now, there's also another link for a free book. And feel free to tell us a little bit about that, that book. The link to that is same thing, GG thefranchiseguide.com, but put a slash and then add the word book and you'll go to that link to get the free book. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Sure. I I wrote the book uh, back in the beginning of 2020, you know, kind of just with COVID going on. I said, why don't we uh, convert some of these shows, uh, my book, uh, my podcast franchise freedom and the book franchise freedom, and just put in a, in a short document for kind of a guide as we call it. And really it's, um, my journey from uh, finding a franchise, but not just about franchising. It, it talks about some big things that people miss. So they get all, you know, franchise and financials and FDD reviews and all that other fun stuff. But uh, have you, you know, how does your spouse feel about this? Your partner, everyone in the, in the home, you know, if you have a, a family, like like if I'm starting now, I'm gonna, you know, get the okay for my wife. I'm gonna get the okay for my kids and let them know. Dad's gonna take a step back. You know, maybe a financially, we're going to have to cut back, maybe no vacation this year, or I'm going to be working twice as many hours, but letting everyone know why you're doing this. You're not doing this because you have nothing else to do, but you're starting a business to create some financial freedom so dad and mom can be home and maybe more often and and retire hopefully sooner. So we talk about that. We talk about building teams, your financial advisor, your attorney, your accountant, CPA, working all together to figure out the best form to protect yourself, the best legal entities, best accounting methods uh, so that you can take home uh, as much as possible. So it's just a general advice that I learned over the years, building teams and and networking and things like that, who, who you should involve, the mistakes I made, and just a very kind of outline process of uh, helping people if they uh, want to do it on their own to figure it out themselves. So it's a free book. Uh, it's on Amazon for a couple bucks, or you can just download it for free. On the website, my services are completely free. We're similar to a real estate agent. So uh, the franchise companies pay our fee. So if you'd like some assistance and uh, you know why go it alone, we, we can definitely help you out. And uh, you can book a call right on the website, ggthefranchiseguide.com. Um, book a call. It's 20 minutes. And my guarantee to you is we'll figure out together if a franchise may be a good fit. And if it is, we'll talk about next steps and what that looks like. But there's no, no strings, no costs, no contracts. Sometimes it's a good fit, but the funding isn't there. So we put together a six-month plan to talk again and maybe get some things in order. So uh, here to help. It's something that I uh, enjoy doing. You always get me. I don't have a staff that does the calls and I would love to help anyone uh, if they need some assistance. Yeah. Thanks, Giuseppe. That sounds like a great way you're adding value in terms of people deciding if it's the right move for for them or not. So I like that. That's really cool. I'll be sure to put in the show notes, the links, they'll be there. If people wanted to reach out to you uh, other than your website, anywhere else you wanted them to go, like LinkedIn or anything like that? Uh, yeah, you can go to LinkedIn. It's uh, under my name. If you go to the website, all my, my social media is at the bottom. Um, when you book a call, uh, it's going to ask some information about you. You know What made you set up a call today? Uh, that's probably the best. Uh, my my email is uh, same as my domain, gg at ggthefranchiseguide.com. Uh, that's a good way to, to, to reach out to me. And uh, yeah, love to help. So even if you have uh, no, no silly questions, so if you just have a, a general question, because um, you know it's something I had someone, a 17-year-old, actually a senior in high school, reach out to me and just said, I'm taking an entrepreneurship class. My goal is to own a business in five years. So we we, we, we chatted. I introduced them to Two colleagues of mine that that have been on the show, and I said, let's stay in touch once a year. You know, feel free to reach out and listen to the show. 
Uh, our show, the podcast, covers every single topic you can think of when it comes to business ownership. So if you want to learn about exit strategies, my good friend David C. Barnett was on the show uh, last year. So we talked about how to sell a business. We had Rocky on a few times. So definitely check out the show uh, and you can just search by topic. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on today's show. Uh, really appreciate it. You dropped a lot of wisdom and uh, hopefully you can come on again in the future. Thanks, Tyler. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.